Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ plus community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International. Every two weeks on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One, and shortly thereafter on your favorite podcast catcher. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Corona. I am joined, as always, by President Gabriel lopez Cafati. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Pride Connection. Gabe, what did you think of that beautiful new opening that BPI member Jessica Tomlinson made for us especially? Well, what can I say? Jessica has a beautiful voice, a beautiful energy, a beautiful presence. We are so lucky and so blessed to have her because that girl is going to be famous. That voice and that talent is going to take her places. I, I always tell Jessica, 10 years from now, can I say, oh, she's my friend? You know, it's funny, and, and you'll remember this, when we were in Denver for the BPI Fall Social, and she got up on stage the first time. I was oh, busy with the technical I side of things. My so I didn't realize it was Jessica who was up there and she started singing and I'm like, who the hell is that? <laughs> I fell and off my chair when I heard her. It was like Minnie Mouse suddenly morphed into Jessica Rabbit and it was the best experience ever. So Jessica, thank you so much for this opening. Tonight, we're discussing the language around the queer identity, whether you're gay Lesbian, transgender, bisexual, asexual, pansexual, demisexual, queer, questioning. The words that we use and the words that have been used for us or against us are so very powerful. So that's the genesis of tonight's conversation. But as always, we always have a bit of space for our president to give a little bit of message about BPI and where we are right now. So BPI, Blind LGBT Pride International, is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We are, and I am proud to say it, the only organization today that represents the intersectionality of those of us who are blind or visually impaired members of the LGBTQ plus community. We carry this voice and we are proud to speak up on behalf of everyone under our rainbow family because it is one of our primary goals to educate and advocate. So I believe that Pride Connection is an excellent educational tool and that it definitely gives a voice to all of our BPI members to advocate and make sure that just like we say in the blind community, same applies to the LGBTQ plus community. Nothing about us without us. So this is our voice. Thank you so much. 
So we have a very special guest with us tonight, and you have heard her on Pride Connection before, but I'm really glad that she decided to use her voice tonight for this very special conversation. But before we get into the topic at hand, Melody, I want to ask you two questions. The first being, how are things with you right now? How is the world for you? And the second question, I would like you to speak to those out there who are listening who may not be part of our BPI community, whether they be straight or sighted, whatever it might be, tell us what an ally to BPI means to the BPI community and maybe to you as from a personal perspective. I'm not quite sure how to answer that. It's I, I'm going to leave it at that. It's pretty confusing. What I can say is that the interconnection that I have with the BPI member that pretty much placed these opportunities in my hand and gift wrapped them and helped me find ACB. We just experienced some pretty tough stuff alongside each other. And I have ACB and BPI to hold on to. And I know that you're my true family, no matter where and what I am trapped with and can't escape. As far as two, for anyone who doesn't know what BPI is or who may have misconceptions, we are an organization of people just like you. Anyone could be a part of this club and anyone can find out at any time in your lives. And we're not defined by our sexuality or gender identity or who we love. We can't help that just as much as we are defined by any other disability or condition we have. We don't have problems. There's nothing wrong with us and we don't need to be fixed because we're not broken. And we just want to hold your hands and walk alongside you. There would be less crime if we were seen as equal. Our love is the same as yours. We love our partners the same as you do. Anyone in ACB or anyone who is not, we all have things going on that marginalize us to a degree. We might not always get the best medical care. We might not always get the best chance in school or in an employment situation or filling out an application for housing or for a service animal. And we all run into this and we've got to see ourselves as hitting these same barriers and persevering alongside each other because we can't do it alone and we're not. So an ally, when we have people joining a BPI who identify as straight, you are more valuable than any printed money in circulation because we need you. We need you to help with the healthcare system, with the police, you know, with law, with employment, with education. You are children, you know, your loved ones, your siblings, your parents, maybe even your grandparents may identify as anything but heterosexual. And you'll love them if you know that we're here and love us and we can love you right back. And my God, that's so beautifully said. Thank you so much. And so we're in the the throes of membership season. And, you know, you can join BPI at any point in time, any time of the year. But right now, it's very important if you are an ally, if you're listening to our program, and you believe in our message, you believe in our cause, please go to www.blindlgbtpride.org. And I promise we're going to add the queue along the way very, very soon. But, you know, websites cost money and it takes time. So we're getting to the point where we add the queue, but www.blindlgbtpride.org. Check out our mission and please consider joining us because it really matters. The representation, the support in numbers absolutely matters. I'm going to toss this to Gabriel for a moment. I want to unpack the conversation that we're going to have tonight. And the conversation is about the language that is used for us, with us, and sometimes, unfortunately, against us. So Gabriel, I'm going to ask you a very controversial question. When was the first time you heard the word faggot? And when was the first time you heard the word faggot in reference to you? It was in Spanish. 
but it's the equivalent. And I heard it when my classmates and I think it was first grade, because obviously I had a no double whammy. Um, I was not only gay, but I was also visually impaired. I was not so good at sports. And growing up in Honduras, uh, there was a lot of sports, a lot of soccer going on. Since I could not play soccer that well, the way in which my classmates could tell me that I was not good at sports was by calling me that, the F word. You know, they said that anyone who could not play soccer was a faggot. And obviously, I fell into that category. Don't ask me today if I fell into that category because I was gay or because I was visually impaired. But either way, the language was so powerful. And it marked my personality in so many ways because I felt ashamed. I felt that I was not normal. I felt that I was probably weird and different. And that started eating up and making me feel just so different. The The word itself had a lot of meaning because I had heard that word in my house being used as an insult. So yeah. I said, in my house, they use it as an insult. And now my classmates are calling me that. That must be something terrible. That must be something yep. that I do not want to be. Even without understanding and knowing what it was, I already knew that the word was something that meant something negative and something that I did not want to be or be associated with. Melody, you've got a lot of identifications. You've had a lot to deal with in life. When it comes to the LGBTQ spectrum, what are the first things you heard and what were the first things that were directed towards you? I'm going to touch on that word. My mom has a road rage issue and someone pulled out in front of her and it was the man. And she goes, you faggot. I asked her what, why she had called him that. And, and she said, oh, oh, I was just mad. And it was the heat of the moment. And, well, yeah, you do that quite a bit, don't you? So I want to know what it meant. She said, well, it's a man that's gay. And so later I had tried to research what it actually was. And it's a former term for a cigarette. I thought, why? <laughs> At the yeah. time, I was probably eight, nine. You know, I, I really don't know how old I was. And I thought, why would a gay man be referred to as the disgusting pile of carcinogens that I've been breathing in for? <laughs> so, you know, it, that, it was degrading and disgusting. So I didn't know when I was, you know, I had a couple of male partners and things when I wasn't happy. I didn't know that this is what was going on with me until I was probably 15, 16. And my mom didn't always, well, my whole entire family, they didn't. They were on the Bible, you know, and, and you got to read the Bible and you got to, you know, go to church and all this. And I didn't feel comfortable, especially in Catholic churches. My family is, oh, yeah. We're all three so, of us Catholic. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't know that this is what I was and that that truly, if I was around someone who was gay, they were going they were going to come after me or they were going to, you know, when I had first come out, my mom had told me, and I, I think I was around 15, 16, and, and she said, and I appreciate it, she said, I I don't want you to be out alone in the cold. I understood what she meant. And she was accepting at the time. And I thought I was bi. It was a transition period. Your mom said to you, she doesn't want you to be alone out in the cold. That's a very valid fear for parents. Yes. We have to recognize that that's something they have their own process. They have to understand. They have to potentially grieve the life that they thought that their child would have. But 
your mom said that it sounds like in a very loving way. She didn't want you to be alone in this world. She does not. She still does not. And the issues that she has to be dealing with of turmoil, of not speaking up for me, not defending me in so many aspects. And she had outed me to my father, which you never do, who then outs me to my godfather and says, just become baptized Catholic. And that's going to take care of the whole thing. I was probably a junior in high school and a, you know how girls can be just awful to each other, but it's more of the verbal and the, the cat fights. And a a straight peer said, oh, there's a whole bunch of lesbians in here. And it was probably in the middle of a math class. And I said, great. And she's, oh, oh, they're all around the school and and was trying to get something going and and stir up some excitement. It was obvious. And I I just, I felt during the whole, my six year, I don't know what you would call it, career at the Ohio State School for the Blind, it was so not talked about. And there were several of us who were, and of course, emotional needs were just not they're not a thing either. And my dad likes to tell homophobic jokes and blind jokes. And the things that are said in my family are those unspoken laws of, oh, you're crazy. And I don't know why you're insane. The blindness, why don't blind people skydive that all you gay people want is sex. And he'd asked me, it was the banquet night of the 2020 convention. He said, the Roku channel has a an LGBTQ plus option. What is the plus? Is that animals? Yeah. I said, Dad, that's bestiality, and no. And he said, What's oh, the they wow. mean? What does? Is there more than one? There has to be more than one for they. I said, Dad, it, it's someone who does not identify as any gender. And if what would you rather them say it? Because that is invalidating and not human. I already feel like one. My mom is the more supportive one, but she's compliant and silent, and I have to take these hits pretty much daily or weekly. And I know that I could, I've estranged myself from most of my family of origin. And it's isolating because the family I picked doesn't want to come around here. And I understand why. So it's that back and forth. And I'm so thankful for BPI and for ACB as a whole, because I hold on. I know that people would hurt as I do. It's coming up on a year. So it's that confusing at 36, still seeking that validation. We've all experienced the probably backlash or the questioning from other people. Why mm-hmm. this? Why that? Why this? You know, the nitpicking. So rather than engage in answering every question directed, pointed against or towards us, I think the best way to answer is to say, just because you don't live it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Just because it's no. not part of you it doesn't mean that it's not part of millions of people out there. Absolutely. You know, you know in, in the case of your father, Melody, he's a male, probably white, cisgender person. So he's okay with the pronouns, he, him, his, and he knows because he has been taught that way. But that doesn't mean that there are not other people who identify it differently. So, you know, I, I think the best answer is to say, you know, just because you don't understand it or just because you don't live it doesn't mean that other people don't identify and live it themselves. Absolutely. I very much identify with that. I'm going to share some pieces of my own personal story now. And, and, and I do this often on Sunday edition and here on Party Connection, but I, I don't talk about my coming out process that often. And ultimately, across the board, and I played baseball and, and I had, you know, a certain group of friends and a certain group of family and et cetera, et cetera. Relatively speaking, across the board, I really had a very easy coming out process. And I thank my higher power. I'm no longer 
a practicing Catholic, but I thank my higher power. I thank the energy of the world that gave me enough to be able to withstand the things that came at me. And they're nothing compared to other folks. And I say that straight up. But when I did come out, my sister got pregnant at 15 years old. She gave my parents their first grandchild. She gave my grandparents their first great-grandchild. So all of a sudden, it was elevated to a point of like, oh my God, you know, she's, for lack of a better way of putting it, a goddess. And it's like, and I'm thinking to myself, I just earned a scholarship and playing baseball. I have a 3.85 GPA and, and you know, she's having a baby. Like, okay, like, okay, yeah, I get it. But so the first thing that was said to me and it doesn't matter which relative said it, but my my first niece, her name was Jessica. And they said, what about Jessica? And I, I had no comprehension of, of what that could possibly mean. I was like, well, what about Jessica? I, I love her. And then I it clicked and I was like, oh my God, you cannot possibly be saying what I think you're saying in my head. And so I said, well, I'm gay. And I don't really know exactly what I'm going to do with that, but I'm going to figure it out along the way. But I'm gay. I'm, I'm, I'm not a pedophile. Well, maybe you shouldn't be around Jessica. Why wouldn't I be around Jessica? I have a loving heart. I, I'm, 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 I'm this wonderful person that you've loved all these years up until this moment. Now I say the word gay and suddenly I'm not fit to be around my goddaughter, my first niece, my, my, my heart. She was my Hollywood star. You know, I, I still feel like Jessica could be president at some point. You know, we all feel that way about our, our, our you know, nieces and godchildren, et cetera, et cetera. But, and that drove me back into the closet for a while. Because if that's how family members are going to react, how could I possibly go into the world and say, I'm this identification and I want to live happily and proudly in this life. But my, my family thinks if I'm going to be this, then I'm, I'm also a danger to be around my, my nieces and nephews and, and cousins' children. And, and that really, for lack of a better way of putting it, effed, and you can fill in the rest of the, the letters that fill in that word, effed me up. So language has a real powerful, powerful standard in, in, our, in all of our lives. So taking this to the next plateau, what pieces of language have hurt you along the way? When I hear something like, oh, well, you're, you're a homo or all those homosexuals, or I had an English teacher in high school who, who had maintained that she was there to teach English as a cover and she was undercover to get people straight with the Lord. And she had spoken of when she was little, she had, had was playing a game or something and was out and, and she called someone a homo and her dad told her what it meant and everything. And she said, you know, homosexuals are fine, but homosexuality is not. It's kind of that love in the center type thing. And it hurt because she was she was good. She was kind. She's one of the reasons a lot of us from the Ohio State School for the Blind write as we do now. And it hurt me that she was so quite conservative on many different issues. And we could not write about same-sex partners. We couldn't, you know, as teens, we couldn't write about coming out and we couldn't. She wanted to try to figure out a way to teach the Bible as an English lesson. It, it was that extreme. And I noticed that I really couldn't relax in her classes and English is one of my favorite subjects. So that's not, that would make sense. And it, it just to have to handle that in school and then to go home and kind of get more of that, depending on who was there when. Even my mom was always, it was, had been afraid of me being around adults who were 
identified as anything but straight who are obviously gay. And my father said, oh, I think there were a couple of teachers that were, and I am going to say something. I know exactly who they were. Do you? And even if they were what? And I found that I worked well. And just to hear, to not have that support, it was, it's like a prick in the in the heart. And ouchie, yeah. the one doctor I had success with who didn't remind me of my mental health conditions is and identifies as, and I can't get to her because of transportation that she left it. So we don't understand that the impact of words and how we internalize. Gabriel, you have a beautiful life experience. You came to America based upon a dream and, and a vision of what America could be. You came from a place where you were lobbied with words and with language that made you feel less. Did it change when you got here? It didn't change. Honestly, <laughs> this is my way of giving cre- credit to advocacy. I made a change because the words that I heard growing up, um, especially the words related to the LGBTQ community, obviously they were in Spanish, but they were offensive. But they were here too. And they were here, yeah. yes. And they were offensive. I mean, since I came out and I came to terms and I started educating myself in what it is to be part of the LGBTQ plus community, my, my first question was, why are these words used as an insult? Why saying gay or lesbian is offensive? Where gay is who I am and I should be and I am proud of who I am. But generally speaking, it is an insult. So that confused me for a while. Thank God that I had the backbone to say, no, no, no. I am gay, but I am a decent person. I am a love a loving caring. person. <laughs> That's what I've heard from people. Love, caring, and smart. Man, I happen to be gay, and that does not mean that I am less. But I had to come to terms with that myself and then take it a step further. I said, God, what is going to happen with the following generations? What is going to happen with other people who do not have this understanding within their lifetime and who think that the only way to get out of this is by ending their lives? So I said to myself, I need to speak up. And that means I need to advocate. So fast forward a couple of years, you have your citizenship, you have a great degree here, you have an an amazing degree in Honduras. He's a lawyer, for those who don't know, in Honduras and could be here, but he chose certain paths. And now you're the president of BlindLGBTPride.org, and you've been advocating. You advocate for yourself, you advocate for us, you advocate for the world at large. You're so passionate that you even have three representative tattoos on your body in rainbow. (laughs) So in the position that you're in now, when you hear stories of folks that are still dealing with, with these language, with the, the labels that are trying to be placed on people with the bigotry that still exists in, in the community at large. Talk to me about your, 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 your emotional state, your, your, your mental state. First of all, um, my question is, why do people want to call judgment on something they do not know and they do not understand? Yes. Or live. Yeah, absolutely. In, in our society in general, if I am a doctor and I want to learn about astrophysics, 
I am going to ask someone who has studied astrophysics. If I am a, a mathematician and I want to learn about anthropology, I'm going to ask an anthropologist. Why is it so different when it comes to gender identity and sexual orientation? If I am straight, which I'm not, <laughs> if I want to understand about different sexual orientations, why don't I ask the people who live the different sexual orientations about their experiences and about what they think? When I was in my teenagers, my cousins, there was this girl who was madly in love with me. I don't blame her because <laughs> I'm so handsome. <laughs> Just kidding. You are hot so, as hell, but go on. <laughs> So my cousins got together and uh, orchestrated this rendezvous where I was supposed to be intimate with this girl. And I'm telling you, I did not know about my sexual orientation back then. I did not fully understand what gay or straight was, but I just could not. I just couldn't go through with it. And... It was so difficult for me to say, I cannot. Talk of the, ling the language right there. When you couldn't bring yourself to consummate the, the, the act, so yeah, to speak. Yes. Yeah. With, with, what what with, language with was a, thrown at you? The exact language. Oh, you're, you're a faggot. Something wrong with you in my brain and made me think that there yourself. was something wrong with me. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Melody, let's, let's, let's go back to you for a second. Are you a dyke? Oh, sometimes when I'm fooling around. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> are, are, are awesome you answer. Great answer. Kudos, <laughs> Melody. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily say I'm not. It's just, you know, we got to think about is intent and motivation. I look forward sometimes to the jokes across the spectrum. And sometimes they even tell them when it's when it's company who can appreciate them, who also live the life. Intent yes. and motivation is key. And I have to go back to the language for a minute. And, and the, the idea that something is wrong with us, the categorical divide. My my mom is of the mind that transgendered people should have their own bathroom. Okay. And, and I said, so, so there are third gender, right? And they should just be all in this box and so they can eliminate and whatnot. And that the, the whole bathroom issue of letting anyone who's transgender use the bathroom of their, the gender that, with which they identify. And it just, it hurt me because my mom is actually quite supportive. And when she said all those years ago that she didn't want me to be alone, it, it's kind of happened, but it hasn't happened all the time. It's like, okay, I, I just think I can trust someone. And then a facility that I, I go to more, most often, you know, sometimes we play around because it, it's the floor that I happen to be on is there are some gay charge nurses and things and they will, you know, we'll play and we'll hit each other with insults after all these years because they kind of get that we're going through our and, personal hell. And so it's... And it's, wait, hold on. By play, you mean kind of camp it up, not you're locked in a room somewhere getting... Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. No, okay, it, just, just for just the like, out there who might... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but it, it's, we'll hit each other kind of back and forth and, you know, hey, hey, Dyke, how you doing? You, 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 you know, how's the relationship? How, you know, and it's it's... To be that known for what I am known for, and of course, I don't think it had to become this bad, but it's they'll kind of be relieved that I am, am alive enough to be okay. And it's kind of that intent. I'm good with it. We have that common level of understanding and they'll work with me. I'm going to throw some terms out and I'm going to ask both of you and I'm going to give my answers as well. What these terms mean to you personally in, in your day-to-day -day life? What has been tried to be forced upon you because of the terms and where you really want the terms to be. So I'm going to start with Gabriel. Sissy, 
sissy. I don't care. I'm a sissy. As a matter of fact, probably sissy. It just phonetically doesn't sound so appealing to me. I watched a couple of movies and a series, both British and Australian. And the Oof. term, yep. the, yes, thank you. The term that is used in Great Britain and Australia and some of, you know, mainly the Commonwealth to the equivalent of faggot, sir. And the equivalent of fag is poof. Just the way they pronounced it, it sounded so adorable and so sexy was poof. You're a poof. That I said, I want to be a poof. <laughs> I'm a poof. <laughs> to the point that I, I told my Siri, you know, I'm poof. And Siri calls me poof. <laughs> so anyway, I think it is just a matter of reassigning. Everything, everything is in our mind. You know, everything is dependent on the energy yes. and the meaning that we give to the words that we pronounce. So for me, sissy, I embrace that. I'm sensitive. I do cry. We were watching an episode of Designing Women recently where uh, Suzanne, the beauty queen, you know, she gained some weight and people wanted to make her feel less about herself. She wasn't svelte. She wasn't, you know, that beauty queen that accepted that crown. I did cry. Sissy, and I you, embrace that. And you cry. Am, you cry every time who watch that episode. Yeah. Melody, switch hitter. I have not personally experienced that one directed at me. All right. Then I'm going to throw another yeah, term out move on. Abomination. Yeah, it was pretty much next and you're told. Um, my family and, and the motivation of the aunt that I spoke of that took me out to lunch and, oh, oh that's silly and what, what would you, you know. I, I've had so much of that and I've had so many. It's pretty much what they're saying when it's church, this, Bible, that. And I had, I had wanted a rainbow cake for her 21st birthday. And my mom had actually asked me, and she used to bake cakes for a living and decorate them. And goes, I don't do that. I just don't do that. It was like a period ellipsis. We're done. And I think I had heard Pat Robertson on the 700 Club possibly use it. And I was watching it. Forgive me. I'd watched it years ago when I was, I was listening to some of the inspirational stories. And one day I had it on and I was at home. I think I was, I was pretty sickly a lot of times when I was home from school. And he said, a man sits at the head of the table. That's what the Bible says. And, and relationships are exclusively between a man and a woman. I, I was so distraught that I didn't even change the channel. I turned that TV off. No more. Since that day, no, I was done. And if a human being, if any life on earth, even any, no matter what, because no one is illegal, is an abomination, then we internalize that. And it, again, when life is ended, you know, why are we not all equal? And it, we become sicker. The mental health is questionable. And then the physical health. And I just have someone directly called that, you know, a baby that is born pure and, and innocent, no matter what happens later. And that no matter what kind of events in life shape that baby, we all came out of a mama and we all moved inside her. And it's just... I can't handle it. When someone throws the word deviant into your perception, your life, how does that make you feel? My own mother will do this. All, all you all want is sex. So I said, you know, and, and you'll just come after anyone. I don't think you should go to a pride parade because this and that, they're all naked. I, I currently personally don't at all. It's not even a thought in my mind. And I said, so well, that would mean that you're all devious too. And all you want is Children will experience this in school. And when you're a teen, you kind of have that desire peak. And it's thought that, and, and that's a, often a time when, when young people are coming out. And that is such a confusing time because of puberty and they're hormonal. And I remember it. And it's not going to be just the gay youth. And to say that it is, it, it's kind of the same idea that HIV is the gay cancer and everybody's going to get it because they're devious. I'm sorry. Maybe that wasn't called for, but 
So I, so, I do have to say something about deviant. The word deviant. As a law major in Honduras and as an MBA in the United States, I definitely studied a lot of statistics. And deviant, very, very factual based, means just something that is away from the norm or from the standard in statistical terms. I'm just going to say one thing. Whenever someone says the term deviant, my answer is actually a question. And that question is, who told you you had the authority to set the norm from which deviant is separated? Yeah, exactly. So what if I claim the authority of being the norm? Then you're the deviant. So I experienced something when I was a kid. I've never shared this story ever. And and it's lived inside of me for a very long time. It, it goes along with the word, quote, unquote, abnormal. When I was, I think it was first grade. I cannot swear to it, but I think it was first grade. And we were supposed to present something to our class about you know, how we wanted to grow up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a boy in my class and his name was Justin. And no one really paid much attention to him. He he was what you'd call a loner, I guess. But I always, there was something inside me. I just, I wanted to know him. I wanted to, I wanted to be his friend. And we got paired up. And I'll never forget, it, it was only for the first grade classes. And there were three in my school at the time. But there were parents there and teachers, et cetera, et cetera. And we talked and 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 we 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 formulated what our little presentation was gonna be. And I didn't know, but when we got to the actual presentation itself, Justin told everyone that he wanted to marry me and he wanted to, to you know to marry me and, and be and be with me. I I don't remember the exact wording, but it it really doesn't matter because it caused such a ruckus. And I didn't understand. I, I just didn't understand. It was sweet. It was, it was cute. It was beautiful. And that was one of my first experiences like, that, that showed me that someone who loves differently than what the quote-unquote mainstream normal of loving is, is going to be presented with so many obstacles they may even be ostracized. They they may be kicked out of their families, their churches. I, I didn't know all this all of this as a first grader, but I knew enough to know that the reactions just didn't warrant the situation. There was attention paid. We were we were happy, and he wanted to marry me. And quite honestly, I kind of wanted to marry him too. He was cute and sweet and soft spoken and and wonderful. And I felt so soiled and so ugly after all was said and done and and I didn't have anything to reference it to. I, I didn't have anything to other than the, the Catholic Bible that was shoved down my throat that, you know, marriage is only between a man and a woman and, and we only have relations to procreate. I didn't know what relations were. To me, I thought relations were my aunt and uncle and, and my grandma and stuff. They were, they were my relatives. I, I was so confused, but it stayed with me and I have a, a different kind of story than a lot, not everyone, but a lot of folks that I've met along the way on the LGBTQ spectrum. 
I, I didn't know personally inside myself until my, my senior year of high school. I didn't know. I had a girlfriend. We had incredible sex. Not that that matters, but I had a girlfriend and, and everything was going along right. But I would always kind of remember these little things that happened along the way. All the, the horrific jokes that my aunt, uncles would tell along the way about faggots and, you know, and, and what it meant to be a sissy or, or a faggot. And it all harkened back to that, that moment when Justin said he wanted to marry me. I mean, you, you know, they should have been passing out smelling salts. So I'm going to ask both of you, was there that kind of experience for you somewhere along the way that basically kind of almost pushed you back into the closet or prevented you from or almost prevented you from stepping out of your closet? I'm going to say that there was this big party one time and uh, it was my grandma's birthday and um they had invited a lot of friends and employees. And I remember this kid. Well, we weren't kids. We were like maybe 11, 12 years old, or maybe almost teenagers. And I remember this kid who I thought was so adorable. He had asked me, you know, can we just take a walk, you know, because it's too noisy here. So let's chat. And I said, yes. And we started walking and as we were walking on the sidewalk he put his arm on my shoulder and we were walking like that and it felt so good but at the same time i was so self-conscious i was so perked up and i was so paying attention oh my god what if someone is watching because precisely it was so innocent and it was so childish but at the same time, I had learned from adults that it was not okay for two boys to have such a close proximity or have such a close physicality that even though it felt good, it felt genuine, it felt innocent, it felt real, it felt honest in my heart as a child or as a teenager, that did not matter. What mattered was that I had heard from adults that that was not mm. right. That 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 if someone saw us... It would be interpreted nasty. On the sidewalk. Or with our arms wrapped around our shoulders. It was going to be bad. And it was going to warrant me a, 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 a scolding and, and, a, and, and a reprimand. And, and, and it was going to mean that I was doing something wrong. So... I pushed that kid away and what could have been a friendship. I'm not saying that he was gay. I'm just saying that what could have been a friendship, a beautiful, honest, genuine friendship, I pushed away just because I freaked out because of the physical proximity, because I had learned or I had been taught that physical proximity between two boys was not acceptable. Melody, in your experiences to this point, is there something that really stands out that made you feel like being part of the LGBTQ spectrum was bad, horrific, against God or, or any of those tropes that are thrown at us? Yeah, you know, I would go to our friend's house and her grandma, and we both are, she would say bad love. And I, I would think, is love bad? Love is unconditional. Love knows no bounds and, and, and it's not bad. A story had come on Lifetime Father's Day of 2020 after my quarantine had been lifted and it was called Saving Alex. I don't know what the book's called. That may be the name of the book. And it was about a girl that was forced into one of those Exodus type 
reborn, you know, trying to force her to be straight. And the things that were happening to her, and she was forced to go to this church and live with this couple. I was watching it with my Monica. In fact, I said, I've got to change this. And she said, here, you know, find something else. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, my family does this. During my graduation party, I decided to test. I was 18. I decided to test defiance and see if I might be forced back into the closet. I've never had the experience where something is outright made me recant and say, I, I am in fact straight. And I'm sorry. I've never had that because once I'm out, I'm out. And it's just that immersion and having to come out to each person. That's Same tough. here. But go ahead, girl. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I decided to see how far I could go. And I, I kissed one of my best friends who was also blind and female. Well, at the time she was. And right in front of everyone, we were eating, you know, and all the graduation caps and everything and the decorations. And I wanted to know what my family would do. And it wasn't, it wasn't really noticed. And we just grabbed each other, held each other and, and you know, peck. And no one said anything, but I knew my family didn't care for it. And I was thinking, what, what, just anyone dare you to speak up. And I now have a rainbow pride flag taped to the outside of my bedroom door. So anyone who walks by, it's like, I, I don't care. Come on now. I didn't get the reaction either way that I thought I might get. And I didn't care. The point was, you know, <laughs> that I wanted to do that right then. I graduated high school top of my class, but I did want to see what would happen in that experiment. You know, faggot, gay, dyke, weirdo, the tens that are lobbied at the LGBTQ community at large. And I think I will give this to society at large. I think a good percentage of the time when they're throwing these terms and terminologies out, they're not trying to pierce anyone specifically. And I do believe I heard a story just the other day based upon the last part connection. And if you didn't listen to it, please go to acbmedia.org podcasts and Pride Connection. But based upon that that conversation that we had, the last Pride Connection, it was it was told to me that the person didn't understand why it was such a big deal. You don't it, it doesn't matter. You don't have to come out. You don't have to make such a big deal of it. Blah 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 blah. And I said no. No, sweetie, you have to live the truth that you live in. You have to live the world that you are. And you don't have to be an advocate. You don't have to carry banners. You don't have to march in gay pride parades, but you have to be secure enough in yourself to live your own truth. No, no, it very much matters. Having said that, my question to to both of you, and and again, I'll answer it when when both of you are done. The words dyke, gay, etc. When we take them back as the LGBTQ community, what are we doing? When, when we take them back, what does it mean to us as a community to make sure that the word dyke, the word faggot, the word gay is not a slur anymore? It's not a, a derogatory term. I would love to see. And of course, among us, they're not. I mean, we'll throw them around, you know, you queer, come here and things like that. And, and it's among us and it's understanding. We'll laugh and joke it, you know, off. And because of my hypervigilant alert state of reaction to trauma, I feel like sometimes the words fag and dyke and like they're going to grab me and hit me from behind or do something. And that might be an extreme that many might not understand. And I want to be able to get past that because of the way they've been directed at me or someone I love and, and the, the tone of voice, the anger, the hatred. Anyone who heard last the last Pride Connection who hears this tonight who didn't maybe before understand why the impact of what you say is such a big deal and who, who may have an and understanding now and it. feel bad. Yeah. If you come forth, if you, you know, want to know and if you wanted personal contact info, or if any of us were to meet any of you at a convention, or maybe not, maybe not even someone that might hear it who has nothing to do with ACV, it's okay. 
there's no hard feelings and people don't originally intend. It's what they what they hear, the stereotypical implicit biases from media, from their family, from their elders, from their culture. Adults teach and babies are encoded originally and programmed and hardwired to have these beliefs. And it's kind of hard to completely correct it or adjust it or reverse it. So we have nothing but the utmost respect for you. Become allies because we'll love you and you can learn from us and we'll learn from you. And we can help each other and give each other love and work together. Hold your hand. God, that was beautiful. Gabriel. I agree. That was so beautiful, Melody. I, I want to say that I'm at the point where I don't care. And where I have reclaimed those words, which I have, but I have to be completely honest. I do not use them as liberally as I do with uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community as I would do with someone else, family members, etc. You know, I can joke and I can say, oh, I'm a fag. And I feel proud about it. I like the word. I like the word fag. I love poof. I love all those words. And I identified with them. I, I, I wish I could say that I was equally comfortable saying them to someone who understands as I would want to be comfortable with someone who does not understand, who is not part of the community. But then what I have been practicing lately is I've been telling people, listen, how would you feel if it were the other way around? And the norm or the majority was gay and you were a different one and then straight came some sort of weird word or insult or derogatory <clears throat> we'll call you hey straighty and that meant something akin to faggot and that meant something that was not normal or that was not quote-unquote normal or that was not quote-unquote the acceptable How would you feel when you know deep in your heart that you are straight? Because it's not a matter of a lot of ideas that society has attached to the words. It is a matter of basically, and this is what I want to leave everyone with. It is basically a matter of being in alignment with your heart and with who you are and with what you feel, and who you love. Those things are things that you cannot change. We cannot change. So please, just remember that those words identify us, and those words can either make or break someone. And those words can either make someone flourish or can make someone take the awful decision that has no return. I'm in a unique space here and I very much always give props to the God or goddess or Buddha, Confucius, aliens, whoever's controlling all of this, you know, wackiness. That no, we call we've talked about that, Anthony. We did talk about this, but I was a baseball player. I had a great grades. I was part of the quote unquote, a list of, of the high school population and then into college. I, I didn't know that I was gay until my senior year of high school. And I didn't want to know in this senior year of high school. I didn't want to know my freshman year of college because I didn't want to be different than anybody else. And sex with women, the girls that I, I, that I had up until that point, it was good. So having said all that, when I looked in the mirror and I knew 
what I knew as truth. I didn't shy away from it. And my journey is is my journey alone. It's not anybody else's. But having had the journey that I had, I wouldn't change anything. I, I wouldn't go back and relive anything and do it differently at this point. I really wouldn't. I'm really glad for the experiences that I had, both on the straight side of the spectrum and on the LGBTQ side of the spectrum. What I would change is the way that I presented myself early on, because I was still living in this belief that if I identified completely as queer or gay or part of the LGBTQ spectrum, then I'm not that effective as a baseball player, that I'm not that masculine. I didn't know back then that my masculinity had nothing to do with my sexuality. It had nothing to do with how I interact with people in my life, with the chosen partners that I had in my life, et cetera, et cetera. And when it comes down to it, all the words that people want to lobby at our community are words that we already know. They're already part of us. And so you want to call me a faggot? Yeah, I am a faggot. I love being a faggot. You want to call me a homo? Yeah, I am a homo. I go to bed with Gabriel every night and I love going to bed with him. I'm happy. I'm productive. I'm a beautiful member of this community, of this organization, of our parent organization, and of life in general. I work very hard every day to make the world better for all of us, whether you're gay, you're straight, you're questioning, you don't know who the hell you are. And a lot of people out there don't know who the hell they are and they need time to figure it out. And just because someone who's born quote unquote straight knows their entire life that they're straight, great, more power to you. I applaud you and I'm so happy for you that you know your path in life, but it doesn't work that way for everyone. Some of us have to experience a lot of life before we figure it out. But language and respecting the language that we choose to use about ourselves, it really matters. And it matters more than you could ever know. Somebody who's bullied, somebody who's been beaten down to a point where they, they feel like they have no choice left and they take their life, we can prevent that. It is the easiest, most preventable suicide that there is on this planet. But we don't work. We don't work to make them feel part of the society at large. We don't work to make them feel like they're valued, like they're loved, like they are a productive and beautiful member of our beautiful rainbow. Melody, some final thoughts? Well, my thoughts start out with a question. If we had the option to change where we want to. No, no, <laughs> I would not. <laughs> and it's the same Having thing with blindness. Vision, would you two change that? Because I know I wouldn't know either of you. And that's what we have to think about. Each and every one of us on this planet in existence and who, who have existed before was thought at a time because of this, that, and the other, that, that, that we were less than for who knows what. And think about when you consider someone less than. Maybe you hold a position of power to care for us in some legal aspect. And place yourselves, I, I love what Vita said, in the same shoes. We don't necessarily have to walk in each other's. I love her. The same because we do walk in the same shoes. Pain and pleasure is the same no matter what the situation. And yes. our love, it feels right. It, I tried. It didn't feel good. And the spark was there, the butterflies. And it's the same exact kind of love and the same exact kind of feeling. I even appreciate the attractiveness of a man. We wouldn't want to change if we had that option. 
Because if we did, we'd be feeding right into that stigma and society's ide- ideology of, oh, we have to be this and that under God and perfect. So no, no, we don't. Absolutely. And Melody is referring to our last Pride Connection, which you can find on www.acbmedia.org. Hit podcasts and hit Pride Connection. And our last episode is what she's referring to. Gabriel, final thoughts? When you have a thought, thought is born to the world through the words you pronounce. And it has so much power. A word has so much power and you do not know how it is going to affect someone else. So if you do not know, if you are not familiar to that experience, just ask the other person. Just ask, how do you feel about this word? How do you interpret this word? How does this word relate to you? If it's a word that does not relate to myself, I need to ask the person who identifies with that word. For example... If I don't know what it is to be an astronaut and what it is to go on a mission that is going to take 782 days out in space, I'm not going to pretend that I know what it is. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to use the word astronaut with knowledge of what it is. I'm going to ask and I'm going to actually desire the opportunity to meet an astronaut and I'm going to wish for the day that I'm going to meet an astronaut and ask him or her or they what it feels to be in zero gravity for 782 days. So just think of that when you think of someone who is not within the same sexual orientation or gender identity as you. Just be eager to meet someone who is different so you can ask them, how does it feel? Who are you? What are the words? that you identify with and what do those words mean to you so I can use those words properly. I, I need to speak up again. I, I'm sorry. Just one more Dad. thought. If if Dad. we're afraid if we're afraid to speak up and to ask someone a question about who they are, their experience out of fear of offending someone, it goes back to the same idea as asking about our blindness. Feel free to ask as long as it's not going to affect our care or the reason why we're in contact with you. You can ask because it'll it'll help ease those those fears and, and misconceptions and misguided ideology. It's ask anything you want to and chances are you're going to get an answer that would surprise you. And that's how we're going to avoid someone ending their life. If we're not asking how someone is doing or asking how they experience something, they're going to feel lonely. And you'll find that when you ask, you're not going to feel alone too, because you may have had an experience that will somehow be associated with something similar that you experienced. So feel free. My final thoughts go towards this slate of conversation. Call me a faggot. Call me gay. Call me deviant. I really don't care what terminology you use to describe me. What I really care about is that you respect the fact that I have the right to live whatever life I need to live, whatever life the higher power, Buddha, aliens, Confucius, God, Jehovah, whatever higher power put me in the place that I'm in. They put me here for a reason. You don't have to believe in spirituality. You don't have to believe in what you have to absolutely adhere to is I have the right to live my life the way that I feel is right. I don't tell you, ew, 
I don't want to stick my thing into that thing. It's not my right to tell you that. And I would never would. It's also not your right to tell me, ew, you want to put your thing in that thing? Ew. Ultimately, if you live a happy, productive, and life that that serves your spirit, your innermost essence of, I'm Anthony. So the innermost essence of Anthony, the innermost essence of Gabriel, that's all that should matter. Language around all of this matters. If someone asks you to respect their preferred pronoun, if someone asks you to not say something or or react to something in a way because of a sexual orientation, a life living, it's not a choice. It's a living. You have to live the life that you're given to. If you choose not to respect that, you're the one that's making the heart. You're the one that's causing the divide. You don't have to understand. You don't have to respect. You don't have to want to be part of it, but you have to give the respect. You have to give the space for people to be who they are. And when it comes to language, all we need to do is be able to accept and lovingly go forward with the language that comes along with being part of this beautiful, beautiful rainbow. You don't want me to laugh at you for being stuck quote unquote, in the heterosexual life, I don't want you to laugh at me for being able to explore my beautiful colors of the LGBTQ rainbow. God, whatever form that comes in, made all of us to live on this earth to educate and interact with each other in beautiful ways. And if you don't want to interact in beautiful ways, that's your choice. And that's a beautiful choice. Stay in your lane and stay quiet. But if you want to experience the world for what it is, then you need to open up and understand that every word you speak, every judgment you make affects everyone around you. Please go back and listen to our last two Pride Connections because we've really been exploring what it means to be LGBTQ and blind or low vision in this world. If you want more information about the organization that we represent, Blind LGBT Pride please go to www.blindlgbtpride.org. And as always, we thank our parent organization, ACB, American Council of the Blind.org, where you can find tremendous amount of resources for mental health, surviving COVID, legislative imperatives, and so much more. Check out all of those websites and please come back in two weeks and listen to the next part of this conversation because we are all beautiful colors of this rainbow. And if we lose any of the colors, then we collapse the entire rainbow. If we are not open and loving and accepting of every single color, be it purple, red, yellow, green, blue, magenta, silver. All right. I love silver. Melody, how about you? Gold. I love the idea of a shiny metallic gold. Accept every color of this rainbow. And let's all live and love together in harmony in this world. I know that sounds utopian and maybe we'll never, ever get there. But if every single one of us listening tonight wants to get there, wants to live that way, it'll be a better world tomorrow than it is today. Thank you for listening tonight. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blind 
lgbtpride.org. And thanks for listening.